Hello, you're listening to the Insights for Entrepreneurs series with KPMG Private Enterprise. I'm Ian Keown. Today I'm joined by James Ives, who's the founder and chief executive of X-Ocean, a county loud company that's developed robot boats to map the seabed. James, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Now we're going to talk about lots of things. We're going to talk about culture, customers, funding and the foundations for scaling. But before we do that, robot boats. Explain this to me. Explain what it is that your company is out there doing. Yes. Yeah, so, so X-Ocean. So we see ourselves as an ocean data company. So what we do is we do everything from sort of mapping the seabed, uh, in, in, assessing subsea infrastructure like pipelines, subsea cables. Uh, but we do it with a difference. Rather than sending a, a, a team of people on a boat out to site, we actually send an unmanned vessel known as an unmanned surface vessel. It's, it's satellite controlled. It's robotic. Uh, and that does all of the data collection for us. And how many boats have you out there doing this and where are they located at the moment, James? Yeah, so we currently are just in starting the constructing of our eighth unit. Um, and we've actually started, most of our work initially has been around, say, the North Sea, around the UK waters. For that, oil and gas companies, that sort of... Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, but that's now expanding for us. So uh, we're now, uh, we now have vessels, one of, one of which is on its way to Trinidad uh, to do a pipeline survey. Another one has just arrived in the Caspian Sea uh, to do some work in, the, uh, in, in that region. Uh, we're in Canada at the moment and uh, and going further and further afield. And, I mean, this is obviously costly business. I mean, it's it's cutting-edge technology, unmanned surface vehicles, robot boats. I mean, you've obviously gone to the well for funding on a number of occasions. Yeah, so uh, so we've, we've been very fortunate that the company has taken off really fast, so that's allowed us to generate revenues very early in the business's history. But but actually, we just uh, just today we've announced that we've closed a financing round of uh, just under €8 million Euros to, to really support the scaling of the business. We now need to build more assets, recruit more people, and really drive the business hard. Well, that's congratulations. I mean, that's a, is that new shareholders or existing come on board again? Yeah, so fortunately, it's actually been fully subscribed by our existing shareholder base. So, uh, so that, uh, that, uh, that makes it really, really easy for us to then, uh, you know, power on forward. And it has been a very quick journey. I mean, this isn't a company that's on the go 20 or 30 years. You've managed to scale up very quickly. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess we're probably, there's timing and also the, uh, the sort of technology we've developed. So our core markets, the three key markets we focus on, first of all, is the oil and gas industry sort of assessing pub, things like pipelines, subsea infrastructure. Uh, the next one would be sort of government agency work, so mapping the seabed for updating chart data, hydrographic work. And the third one that's growing considerably for us is, is, is the marine renewables, so offshore wind, so surveying the, the foundations of offshore wind farms, the cables that connect them up. So there's a huge demand for the data, and, uh, and that's what we do. And what was the eureka moment for the business when you were setting it up? I mean, you're an engineer by trade to... This moment, I'm going to, this is this is it. This is it. I'm going to do robot boats. Do, do you know it's funny actually, and it's maybe something we'll talk about during this chat. Is is I, I actually started at the other side of the fence. So I used to be uh, run a company that used to acquire a lot of ocean data, and, and actually I was a very frustrated customer. Um, every time that we tried to contract somebody to go and say map an area of the seabed for us, we found that it, it took longer than we wanted. It cost more than we wanted. The results maybe not what we wanted. And so actually we felt that, or certainly I felt that there had to. Be be a better way of doing it. And that's, and, and that's what you did. And that's what I did, yeah. Now, in advance of our chat, I asked you to identify a couple of key themes uh, that we might discuss in terms of insights yeah. that other entrepreneurs can, can take on board and maybe get some learnings from. And I suppose the first one that you've picked is culture yeah. and team. Now, we hear that a lot. You know, it's one of the buzzwords that's kind of around the corporate climate at yeah. the moment, culture, values. 
but you're a big believer in it and you think it's played a role in the success of your business. Yeah, and I have to say that I would have come at this probably relatively sceptically uh, some years ago. Uh, I was actually lucky enough to do some studying uh, over in the US in Stanford and, and actually there's me going into sort of this type of sort of strategy workshops thinking it's all going to be about really smart strategies and, 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 and the like. But actually all the focus was on culture um, and, and I guess the, the sort of the, the, the premise that, you know, even, you know, a poor team can take the best idea in the world and can fail with it. You know, ultimately, you've got to have a team and a culture in the organization that's going to then drive through all the difficult times and through the good times and, and create a successful business. But how do you create that sense of culture? I mean, it's easy to go in and put slogans on the wall, transparency, accountability, whatever it yeah, may be, yeah. uh, you know, openness, honesty, whatever the buzz. But, yeah. but to really, I mean, culture needs to be, and that sort of value set needs to be about more than just a slogan, more than just rhetoric. Yeah, so I mean, I would say there's probably a couple of things there. First of all, you've actually got to believe it and you've got to live it. Um, you know, if, 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 you know, if one of our sort of, you know, mottos within the companies is we're always going to, we're going to get 100% acceptance of our data from our, from our customers. Well, therefore, we have to follow through with that and make sure that that's what we live and breathe and, and actually deliver. So one is actually sort of believing it and living it. The other thing, and, and certainly the, the approach that we took with XOcean is I'm, I was very fortunate I was able to uh, bring a number of people that had worked with me before into the company. So the sort of founding team of the company are all people, m many of which I've worked with for more than a decade. So you know from day one that you're working with people that share the same values, have the same approach. It should be a fun place to work, but it's also it's a serious place to work. We're you know we're delivering data to some of the world's biggest companies, and uh, whilst whilst we can have fun doing it, we've also got to make sure that we do it properly. Just as a, as a tangential point, number one, that team building, putting in place that team at the start. And that's crucial to the success or failure of any business. Uh, how did you ensure, obviously you knew some people, but you would have had to go out and hire others. Yeah, so again, be really, really lucky that a, a, a good, a good, strong team have followed me into this business. And uh, I'm always eternally grateful that uh, that they'll uh, they'll come and... What was your pitch? What was your pitch to them? Um, first of all, I mean, what we were doing. Um, mm -hmm. It's a sector that the people that uh, have joined us kind of believe in and understand and have an interest in. Um, and also, I think, you know, we have a shared vision around, you know, how, how we want to, how we want to grow a business. So at Actually, again, I'm really, really fortunate. This, 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 this core crew of people have followed me into the business, and eternally grateful to them uh, for everything that they've done, how hard they work, the, the dedication, and, and the fantastic work that they deliver. And when you're hiring people, does that sort of the values and the culture? I mean. Is that a part of that conversation? Well, I, I think you, you you absolutely hit the nail on the head here. Uh, the I think fundamentally, if you can start with a nucleus of a team that has the culture and the values that you, you want to have in the organization, then everybody new that joins, you know, pe people like to fit in. Um, and I think as you, as, as you bring in new people, they see, well, how do, how do people work in this organization? You know, what, what do they do? How do they interact? And I think what it does, it starts to create a sort of a, a, sort of a momentum in the organization that then can then grow as you go forward. So that, to me, really important from the early days. I spoke with, with Donald Slattery of Avalon, the aviation leasing business recently, and he was just showing me a case study that INSEAD had done on Avalon, but there was a very interesting segment in it, which is about this idea of values, and they yeah. have this tribe value thing at Avalon, and there was a quote from one of, you know, CVC, one of the world's most hard-nosed private equity backers, yeah. and the, the quote is along the lines of, Donald started talking about this thing of values, and we said, once it doesn't cost us any money, we don't care what it is. Yeah. But over time, they're fully subscribed and now insist that all of the other companies that they invest in have some sort of value set. So even we're even saying hard nosed institutional yeah. VCs 
really buying into this concept. I think so. And I think, you know, as you said at the outset, you know, this is their buzzwords and, you know, people can sort of roll their eyes when you start talking about sort of, you know, values, culture and, and so on. But 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 ultimately, they're so important. If you've got a great team of people around you that are all motivated in the same direction. And, and I say again, you've got to have some fun as well. You know, you spend a lot of time at work and, and actually, we, you know, we're, we're piloting robot boats all over the world, collecting some phenomenal data. It should be fun. It should be interesting. Yeah, it is. A, it's kind of a cool area. You yeah. know, it's it's great dinner party conversation yeah, for a yeah. start. You, you mentioned there, I just want to move on to customers, but you mentioned that some of your customers, some of the world's biggest companies uh, in their space, is it tough for a relatively young company, an Irish company up in Loud, to, to, to bring in that sort of reservoir of major major blue chip corporates. Yeah, I mean I have to say, you know, thrilled. We're all thrilled in the organization how how quickly we've managed to get traction with some of as I say some of the biggest companies in the world. Um, and you know, how do you do that? I mean, I guess ultimately we're bringing something to the table that that they want. Um, what do we bring to the table? Well, normally they're sending out ships with large numbers of people and large costs to collect this data. Uh, and we address three of their core values, their core values across really all of our customer base. Because core values are very similar. Typically, they're the health and safety, um, their environment and their cost. And so what do we do is, well, first of all, health and safety, we, we, we remove the need for people to go offshore. That's a huge requirement for, for all, of, all offshore industrials. Second thing we do, and this is increasingly important, is environmental. So we use about nine litres of diesel per 24 hours on our vessel. An equivalent ship could use a thousand times that fuel. So we're a fraction of the emissions, a fraction of the fuel burn of a conventional vessel. And then ultimately, we can deliver the data at a lower cost. So I guess how have we got traction with some of the biggest companies uh, you know, in the sector? And I think ultimately, it's because we address the key things that their mm. values are. So it's aligning the two. How does it, just, how does it work? Is, is there a guy back in the office with a remote control? Is it AI? And I, I think last year we saw the, the fully uh, the world's first AI complete sailing across the yeah. across the Atlantic Ocean. So that technology is there. How, what's the? Yeah. So the way our system works is that we we have a control room and we have what we call a USV pilot um, that is in in that control room and we man that's twenty four hours a day. But then we have a satellite connection, a, a broadband satellite connection to the vessel, and and what the pilot is doing is that they're monitoring this vessel that's offshore. Um, but they're not only just monitoring the vessel, but they're also monitoring the data we're collecting. So, you know, we're collecting very valuable data around, you know, uh, for example, the properties of the seabed or environmental parameters. You, you need to have control over that data acquisition as well. So our team back in the base are really their pilots and their surveyors all in one. Yeah. But you must have had to do an immense amount of research on your customers on the market to ensure that you're... You know, you have an idea. Lots of people have ideas. Lots of entrepreneurs have ideas. But to make sure there is actually a, a stateable, yeah. profitable market for you. And I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, what one of... I was very lucky in this business because I used to be a customer. I kind of knew where the pain points were. Um, and that's that, that was a big head start. And I'd actually really recommend anybody looking to start a business is if it's something where you've been the customer, you have such better insight of it. Um, but also well, you're, you're a one-man market research. You know what works and what doesn't. Exactly. And you know that... You know those meetings that you've gone into and you've sort of hummed and hard whether you should place an order or not. So, you know, having that knowledge is very valuable. But also, you need to research the market. How big is the market? You know, what are the the pain points in the market? You know, what what are the things that are really going to move the dial for a for a for a customer? So, I, I don't think you can do enough of that sort of research early on. Yeah. 
In terms of, you mentioned earlier, you've just closed a really big funding round and huge congratulations to you. I mean, finance is something we, every business, it's like, how do you get it? Are you getting the right sort of finance? Are you getting the right sort of backers? Have you enough for good times? Have you enough for bad times? What's your insights on that? Well, um, to be honest, I would say it's a topic you could probably spend the next uh, four or five hours talking about. Um, but, but really, I guess... For, I guess looking at it, I'd look at it in a few different ways. I think, first of all, you need to raise the right amount of money at the right time. Um, and by that, what I mean is, you know, I think often when you're starting a business, you're a, you're a bit optimistic, hopelessly optimistic about how quickly it's going to go and how little funding you're going to need. So when you're, when you're building that business plan, you need to plan for the bumps in the road because inevitably, particularly if you're developing technology, um, you're going to have some bumps in the road along the way. Plan for them and then they don't, they're not a shock. And then also in terms of your timing plans, make sure you're providing sensible timing plans. You're going to deliver things when you're going to deliver them rather than be optimistic. So I'd say, you know, first thing is, is making sure that your, you know, so your business plan is reflective of reality rather than optimism. Um, and then exactly as you say, it's about also bringing the right investors in. Um, I think it's really, really important to be really honest with your investors. Um, you know, I think trying to project a situation where people are going to have a, a phenomenal return in a tiny space of time, it's just not realistic. And, and actually, it's only going to put pressure on you later on. So I think you need to be honest. Well, it's, it's, I think it's always, as someone said, it's always better to over-deliver than underperform. Absolutely right. And uh, otherwise, you you just dig a hole for yourselves later on and it puts it puts unnecessary pressure on you. Well, clearly, you know how to manage upwards in the sense of manage your, your shareholders and stakeholders in that sense because they all came back on board again. What's the secret to that? Is it that what you said, just being honest? Um, I, I think so. I mean, I, I would... I would really plus the idea, sorry, plus the idea in the business. Yeah, and and actually, I I would really lean heavily on relationships. I think having strong relationships with with sort of key people it's so important. And and I think if you build up that trust, so particularly with your investors, I think if you're honest and open with them, you know, you're realistic about your targets. There will inevitably be bumps in the road. And and actually, if if everybody's got their eyes open and and there's a level of acceptance of that. Um, so I think honest, open, maintain the relationships, regular communication, all the things that are just just good practice. So James, we've talked about culture, we've talked about customers and funding and timing. So it's the final thing that you've identified as, as an insight is this idea of foundation for scaling. And that's basically, I suppose, in a nutshell, not trying to, to deal with where you are today, but having placed the processes and the business needs for where you want to be. Yeah, and so, so uh, I think, again, I think it's really, really important to be ready for that next stage of growth. And 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 the problem is, is that when it comes, it can come very fast, and and you need to be ready for it. I wouldn't like to pretend to say that you know we're perfect in our organisation. We're actually struggling in terms of we're we're the market demand has been so strong for us that we're we are having to ramp up in terms of recruiting, building assets, resources. They're first world problems. They are, um, but but they're things that we need to be ready for. So we, we did some good things early in the business. So for example, we we very early in the business put a, a, an ISO system in, so for quality management, health and safety, and also environment. Those give you processes that you can start to build on, um, and then also in terms of things like IT systems, um, you know, finance systems, and so on. It seems strange when you're only, you know, a, a year or two ago, and there are only a sort of a handful of people in the company to be putting those things in place. But actually, we're benefiting from them now that we have them. That now we go through that sort of rapid scaling phase. That actually we've got some things to lean on. And as I say, I wouldn't like to suggest that we're perfect, but uh, we've got at least some good foundations there. 
if, if we're sitting here in five, six years' time, what sort of company would you like to be leading, James? Yeah, I mean, I think the opportunity in our sector is is enormous. I think uh, there's a there's a real, real demand for the type of products and services. Uh, taking a step back, the the OECD, for example, are, are looking at a doubling of the ocean economy in the next decade. You know, it's going to go up to three trillion. The growth in the ocean economy is purely based on data. You need data, whether you're building a wind farm, uh, managing an offshore asset. And so we think there's an opportunity to build really a world-class international business here with literally hundreds and hundreds of our vessels operating in, in multiple jurisdictions around the world. I mean, you talk about that ocean economy, and I've seen the OECD research. I mean, Ireland can actually carve out something. It's, it's one where our, our natural habitat, island economy, and, and even the kind of... The, around it. it's we can be a big player in this absolutely i mean i think you know ireland's got a massive you know maritime resource and and i think it's often been said that it's somewhat untapped um the potential there is is enormous and you know for example we're starting to see the the sort of the green shoots about the offshore wind industry developing first of all in the, in the irish sea and then maybe over to the west so you know ireland is blessed with some phenomenal natural resources here and there's an opportunity for ireland to be taking a, a really strong lead so um it's a, it's a great opportunity Okay, James, thank you very much for joining me here today for the Insights for Entrepreneurs series with KPMG Private Enterprise. Uh, and I wish you the very best of success with your business going forward. Thank you very much. much.